Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Rachel Clark, the founder of Dearest Rachel, a floral business based in New York that provides unique creations for events, weddings, installations, and more. Rachel is known for her appearance on HBO Max's Full Bloom and Bravo's latest season of Winter House. She was included in Florist Review's Top 35 Florists Under 35 and has created floral installations for brands like Gucci, Chanel, Nike, 818, and more. In this episode, Rachel chats about starting her floral business in 2019, the importance of paying your dues and working under others before starting an entrepreneurial journey, and what being on Bravo's Winter House was like and whether she joined a future season. Let's get into the show. Hi, everyone. My name is Rachel. I grew up in Connecticut, a small town called Cheshire. Before that, I was actually born in South Korea and I was adopted and I came to America when I was six months old. So I pretty much am as American as you can get. Before flowers, I worked in visual merchandising for Nordstrom. I actually was offered the job the last semester that I was going to graduate college. It was kind of like this pivotal moment where I was like, oh my God, this is like technically my dream job at the moment. It was a full-time job and I just knew like this is what I wanted to do. So I dropped out of college and I started working as a visual merchandiser, worked my way up to the Northeast flagships in New Jersey. And I commuted from Connecticut to New Jersey every single day. So I was in the car for like four hours. (laughs) Wow. I just like wasn't committed to moving to New Jersey. No offense to anybody. I just like wasn't ready yet. I got offered a job in Seattle for Nordstrom or the Ecom Photo Studios in New York City for Nordstrom. So it was kind of a no-brainer that kind of let allowed me to move into the city finally mm-hmm. <laughs> and really opened my eyes up to like, okay, I want to do something else. I want to expand outside like the Nordstrom bubble. So I started working for a photography agency, dealing with contracts and getting sponsorships for all our artists and It sounds really cool, but like going from such a physical creative job to like a desk job, essentially, I just hated everything about it. So after like a year or two working there, I, I quit. I had no idea what I was going to do, which is really scary. I worked at coffee shops. I worked at restaurants. I worked at like clothing stores. I did some freelance styling for like Saks and some other big designers. And it was a really, really hard time. I'm sure it was incredibly scary to leave a stable career like that. But now looking back, it was clearly the right choice for you. How did you go from unsure of the career path you wanted to pursue to then finding your passion in floral design? A friend was like, do you need a job? And I was like, yes, always. (laughs) And it was working at this flower shop. 
this job, even though I had no idea how to design with flowers or had very little knowledge of flowers, it just combined every single thing I ever loved from any job. And I just knew that this was what I wanted to do. That's amazing. What were the first couple of years working at that flower shop like for you? And when did you begin to think of starting your own design business? I had very little flower knowledge aside from like when I oversaw jewelry departments in Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. um, for that, I'd have to like order flowers for like the events that I was hosted. And like, other than that, like literally no idea. After working at that one flower shop for a while, I realized I'm like, I'm really good at this. Like I have a knack for it. I eventually left and started working strictly as a wedding florist. So I took on wedding clients and I started working for another company that really like taught me everything that I know now and like the fundamentals and like how to budget and how to create a proposal and all that. And as I was working there, the style that they had and what I have are very, very different. We did a lot of cool weddings at like one hotel and like fabulous places that I love that don't necessarily fit the aesthetic of the company I was working for, but they fit my aesthetic. The hotel and like other people started like saying like, oh, you should work with Rachel. You should work with Rachel at this company. And people would start coming to the company I was working at for me, not necessarily mm -hmm. for the company. At that point, I was just like, wait, <laughs> you're I'm like, like something doesn't add up here. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm mm -hmm. like, I could be, you know, like make more money. I can do things the way I want to do things. I was hesitant to like opening a business because I really, really believe in like paying your dues and really working your way up to get to that point. And I really hate when people are like, oh, I, they do like two events. They're like, oh my God, I'm a, I'm a professional florist. I'm going to start a business. I'm like, you don't know the fundamentals and you're not ready yet. And like the more you learn, the more, the better equipped you'll be to handle those obstacles as they come, because I still face them today. That's a really good point. So when did you officially launch your business and what was that process like for you? I started my business in 2019. It was scary, but I built my roster of clients up from word of mouth and like Instagram. And it's been like an insane whirlwind of success, mm -hmm. I'd say. Can you share some of the first steps you took to launch Dearest Rachel and build momentum once you were out on your own? Well, first was to get a tax ID and all of that. And mm -hmm. literally, this is the funniest moment because I remember sitting in my friend's bed in Williamsburg in Brooklyn, and I'm like trying to sign up to like get like, you know, like a tax ID and all that stuff. I don't know what I was doing. I literally like Googled and typed it in. And I was about to give all my information away to like not even a legit site, like not even <laughs> like I'm not gullible, but I don't even know. My friend was like, wait a second. And I look at, I was like, oh my God, it's not dot like, or like dot .gov, gov. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Anyway, but that was the first step. And then after that, I really leaned into Instagram to help me. I already had like established clients. Like I worked with Catch a lot, um, which is a really big restaurant in New York, LA, Vegas, and I believe Denver. And then I had, you know, like the hotels I worked at you know, like I already was in contact with certain production companies that I worked with through other companies. I want to say it happened so organically and I don't even know how it happened <laughs> or how it's happening. But yeah, like I think just word of mouth and just really putting yourself out there. And like I posted a lot on Instagram for sure. That's good. Yeah, it's such a powerful tool, especially with something so visual when people see that and see the person behind it kind of makes mm -hmm. them feel a little bit more connected versus like a company where they don't really know who's going to be creating their arrangements and their pieces. 
Yeah, that's why I've always tried to be very much so like the face of the company. Obviously, it's my name, so it has to be. But <laughs> that was kind of a route that I took that are a little bit different than other companies. Like, you know, if a person or a client wanted to work or wanted my work or wanted me to work with them, like I want them to also like like me as a person and not just my work, because I think it goes hand in hand, like personality and like, you know, your charisma and your passion can really make a huge difference. And especially like how easy you are to work with and you know, like it's, it's people are curious, like you said, like who, who's behind making all of these things. And, you know, I think that's really helped me lean into working with a lot of like skincare brands and alcohol and fashion brands, because I like all of those things. So <laughs> I really like to like promote it and, you know, like advertise it. Yeah, no, I love, I love keeping up with your Instagram, seeing what, what all <laughs> events you've created. It's so fun to see. And I do want to get more into that in a little bit, but I'm curious what a typical day for your business is like, what goes into working with multiple clients and creating unique arrangements and installations for different events? Yeah, so that the process is ever changing. And it's always unpredictable, like no day is ever the same. And I kind of love that. So it was like a very different dynamic from, you know, working nine to six. For the last couple of years, like I've killed myself and really run myself into the ground into doing everything and anything I could. And I had, you know, I hired people, I had freelancers, but like I was more concerned. I'm like, I don't want to like spend money on this. I need to like make more profit or anything like that. So this year has been taking a step back and definitely like relying more on people on like my designers, on my assistants to take care of things that like I don't need to necessarily do. But I usually go to the flower market super early. I have all my wholesalers and vendors like on speed dial text. So usually I'm like texting them if they have something and I handle weddings and events differently. So weddings are obviously like planned much farther ahead, like a year or two year in advance. And I have actually taken a step away from weddings. But when I do do them, um, I usually try to build out the order for my designs at least like two to three weeks out. And then I send my list to my wholesalers to get me the flowers, because if you go to the market on the on the whim, you might not get everything that you want or, you know, you promised your client a certain type of flower and they might send you like a magenta purple and you're like, well, Kiehl's needs bright purple and this is wrong. It's kind of insane because you have to like know the quantities off your head. You need to like also pay attention to like how much money certain things are because you can literally spend so much money at the market without even realizing it. Usually my assistants will help like booking vans, rentals, any of like the admin things like that. And I still like to be very like creatively in control of everything just because like I do know the way that I create is very unique to me. And sometimes there isn't even a rhyme or reason why I pick certain things. Like I just think it looks like visually it's what I like and it's hard to exactly teach someone that all the time like they definitely have paid attention and learned my style but things just kind of fall into place as you create and I think that's kind of the beauty and the excitement of it for me but anyway yeah then I have you know like fabricators that build my walls and we have signage and like it's a lot of like logistical work and timelines like I have to build it out and think I have like the best assistant ever I definitely would not have been able to get through the last like year without her <laughs> we don't really realize how much goes into it, like you said, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. with something like a flower that is natural and it has to be exactly the color you want it, like has to be fresh mm -hmm. and all these logistical components that 
people don't realize go into it. So I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Speaking Mm -hmm. of that, you appeared on shows like Full Bloom to create really fun installations. And that was really exciting to watch. And also recently we're on Bravo's Winter House. And I'm curious how being on those shows impacted your business, whether you saw like a boost in client inquiries and requests. Well, those two shows couldn't be any different. I know. <laughs> and there's definitely like overlap of like viewers that also have watched both, but definitely Bravo is insanely bigger in terms of like a platform and viewers. I don't think HBO with Full Bloom did much advertising or promoting. So people just kind of like fell into the show and then fell in love with it. Whereas, you know, like Bravo has like a cult following and they're very dedicated, loyal fans. I want to say like, I didn't necessarily notice any more inquiries come in because at that time, especially after HBO and like going into Bravo, like I have a really strong list of clients and like big names on that. So it didn't change that. I would, I'd only say like, I got a lot more inquiries for like weddings, which again, is not what I want to focus on Mm -hmm. necessarily, unless I really love the couple or their love story or like their inspiration. Mm -hmm. Um, More so when I show up to jobs now, people are like, saw you on so-and-so, loved you on that. I'm like, (laughs) like. (laughs) I, I did a big event for Smirnoff last night and I was walking up into the townhouse and like a random like guy that was moving stuff. He just looks at me, he goes, winter house. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> and just kept it moving. So it's like That's so funny. Very unexpected times when people recognize me or say things. But mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't say like I gained much work from it. I guess I keep saying it gives me valid validation as a business owner and as as like a person in the world that they're like, oh, like that's who she is. And it yeah, just put the face to a name more. Yeah. So your brand was already well established by then. It was just more a little bit more brand exposure than than building what was already there. Yes, it definitely gave me more brand exposure, which was the point for either one of those either one of these opportunities. And I'm happy with like the outcome and definitely like, I mean, I've gotten some jobs and stuff from it. Like I got Variety Magazine and Rolling Stones from doing it Bravo. So I can't, I guess that's there you go. <laughs> um, which was really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. I do want to get back to business in a sec, but first I would love to know what your experience was like on Winter House and if you would ever join again for a future season. Being on Winter House, like there's nothing you can do to prepare yourself for that. Like I I, it, I didn't even know what to expect. I hadn't watched Summer House or Winter House prior. I knew the premise and obviously I knew Amanda and Kyle and I knew who Paige and Sierra, I knew who everyone was basically, but I didn't exactly know who was going to be there either. And I think that kind of kept me like kept the jitters down, you know, because mm-hmm you do have to be like very on all the time. Like I'm an introverted socialite. So like as much as I love to go out and have a good time, like I also like love quiet time. And I had to basically like deprive myself of that a little bit in order to like stay relevant, you know? And that was like a little hard for me. But at the same time, like if I hid away in my room, then I probably wouldn't be on TV. (laughs) You wouldn't see me in many episodes. But no, I, it was really positive. It was so much fun. I always say it's like reliving my like early college years or like later teens now. And I mean, like there's literally no time ever that I thought that this would 
be an option to do it again like have like frivolous fun and like doing whatever the hell we did for for two and a half weeks but yeah I would definitely do it again I think I the best part of being on Bravo so far is just like seeing how fans react to how normal I am <laughs> and or like how like fun or like relatable I am mostly and even like my story about you know my career or like being adopted and all of that like I really love how my story is is unfolding and being told and how people are, are receptive to it yeah you definitely brought a like calm sane energy to the house I would say there was a lot of rowdiness going on and just from making breakfast and like being clean to like staying out of the drama I think it's safe to say you were like the miscongeniality of the show <laughs> oh my god thank you yeah. it's like it's it was a little hard because there's so many like loud personalities on the show and generally like those people or people that start drama obviously get more airtime and stuff and I acknowledge that but like I wasn't willing to change or sacrifice like who I am to gain more airtime that's not who I am and I hope people knew that about me already so I just tried to be me and if you know like I wasn't entertaining then that's that <laughs> yeah no and I think fans can really tell that when someone is trying to put up a front it's sometimes really obvious on the screen yeah. you know so I think that's part of the great reception from you being on the show yay thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> well going back to your business I'm curious if there's something you think most people would be surprised to know about the floral industry oh gosh that's an interesting question this might not be surprising or anything but like I mean, I walked into the event yesterday and we built a nine foot wreath and I was like joking. I was like, it's it's always something new. And like, it's just like, you like, there's no matter what you, no matter how many years you do something, like things are gonna go wrong. Even if you've done something ev like the same and a million times, like every time you do it is a new experience. It's a new setting. It's a new venue. It's It's a different time of year. And like, even though like you could be an experienced and seasoned florist or event planner, like it's never the same and it's never easy and it's always stressful. Even days I'm like, oh, it's going to be fine, like ends up totally not fine. <laughs> and like, I don't know if that's like as juicy or unexpected as like you or anyone wants to hear, but like, I just, I guess I just want people to know that we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we like, we're winging it too. And that's part of like, again, like when you gain experience, you just trust that you'll be able to figure out a problem mm -hmm. and have resources or people that can save the day if something goes wrong. Yeah, no, that's great. I appreciate the transparency. And like, looking back on your entrepreneurial journey, were there any important lessons learned that you feel like you would go back and tell yourself when you were just starting out? I think I would tell myself like, you don't need to do everything back in like 2019, maybe like, right, either right before I started my company, right after, right after I was just working myself to the bone. And I just like had so many like breakdowns, because I was just working so much. And I didn't wasn't asking for enough help, or maybe not accepting enough help. And I just would have, I would tell myself to like, say no to some things and also ask for help, because like sacrificing your mental health, and you know like your sanity for a job or a client like it's not worth it and that's something like I said I was like trying to focus on this year which is like other things aside from work even though I love what I do it does like I don't need to be doing it all the time there's 
like other things to love in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure it's hard when, you know, your business is like very tied to you. It's not like you have a boss where you can distribute some of the workload, like the buck stops with you, so to speak. So I can see why it would be difficult to turn that off, but definitely really important to prioritize your mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm still, still fine tuning that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm curious what your company and team look like today compared to when you started in 2019. In 2019, I basically just had myself and I definitely like had flower friends that I would (laughs) hire and help me that I've, you know, I've met through working with other businesses and, you know, doing other events and weddings and I would hire them on a need basis. Fast forward to now, um, I have one assistant that pretty much works with me all the time. The one that like saves my life every day, basically. I really lean on her to help me do the admin work and like the pick up the drop off installation breakdown, like basically anyone that like I need, like anything I need help with, even if it's like sometimes drafting a proposal. Aside from that, I have like a rotation of other freelancers that I bring in depending on the size of the job. I have a fabricator that's actually a good friend of mine. He builds all my walls and structures and builds my signs. That's pretty much it. Like we're I'm we're having like a holiday dinner party next week and it's going to be the five of us. So it's super small and mm-hmm. um, mostly girls except for the my my fabricator. <laughs> and I mean, he's one of the girls. So. <laughs> um, they're super loyal and passionate. I love working with them just as much as they enjoy working with me sometimes jobs aren't fun. Like sometimes what we have to do is like very tiresome. I'm like, well, misery loves its company, but at least it's good company. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's so important, especially with something that they are kind of a representation of you and your brand. So you want to make sure that that trust and that connection is there. Exactly, exactly. And well, you've created some pretty insane floral installations and beautiful arrangements throughout your entire career. Do you have a favorite floral design you've created or maybe like a couple that you can share that were really memorable for you? I work with the Amore Pacific family of skincare. And earlier this year, it was actually right before I left to film Winter House. It was Fashion Week and we did a event with Innisfree and it was like this pink explosion garden at this restaurant called 8282 in New York City and it was just stunning like they they launched a new skincare line that was based on around like cherry blossoms so it was just like a like beautiful pink explosion I know the girls and guys that work on that team. So we were just on the same page with like the creative direction. It's to date, like my favorite thing. Like I reference it all the time. <laughs> um, aside from that, I mean, we've created some really cool walls. We, I created a really fun disco purple moment uh, with disco balls and flowers for Loverboy for, you know, Kyle Amanda's company. That honestly was probably my favorite wall I've ever created so at least there's two (laughs) yeah that's awesome I bet it smells amazing too like when you walk in there's like a really big installation like that cherry blossom one you mentioned oh my god it was it did smell so good but I feel like I'm desensitized to the smell at this point because like you know when you like even if you're in your own home and it has like an air freshener or like a candle like you don't smell it anymore but like when people walk in they're like oh my god it smells so good I'm like oh good it's for you yeah you go (laughs) nose blind yeah (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure every project is different, but I was wondering if you could explain like how long it typically takes to create a great floral arrangement and then like a larger installation type project. 
depending on the job itself, like if it's arrangements only or something like that, like that'll take me like 25 minutes to draft up the proposal mm-hmm. and like put together a PDF of the flower stems and vases. I mean, like that's, it could take longer, but like that's very, very quick for me in terms of bigger installations that could take like anywhere from like a week back and forth with a client to just kind of nail down the particulars. And with corporate, you have to go through like quite a lot of people to get it approved. And then in terms of like actually execution, I typically like to buy everything for installations like day of or the day before. You can't buy it too far in advance because the product won't be fresh and, you know, flowers are temperamental and people always are like, well, why did it die? And I'm like, there's like, you know, sometimes you just can't control these things. Mm -hmm. Like I got into like a little argument with a client once they're like client once and they were like, well, why would you pick flowers that are temperamental? I'm like, all flowers are temperamental. I can't control the temperature in the room. I can do the best that I can. And like, you wanted this particular flower. So I got it for you. (laughs) You can't control also like how long the wholesaler had them prior to you. So I usually go straight from the market to location. For weddings, it's different because there's a lot of arrangements. So you need to process them and then start designing the day before. And then obviously like day of is set up and any installation pieces. But installations, I try to allow at least like three hours. I mean, yesterday was like a nine hour day just because it was a three story townhouse. But, mm-hmm. but it's it's always different. Like, you know, it just depends on like the scale and what needs to be done. And what happens to your floral arrangements or installations like after an event? Is that like a sad part of the job for you? Or do you just feel satisfied that your creation was a success? Oh gosh, that is like so heartbreaking because like sometimes our installations are only up for like two hours, maybe four at max for like, you know, influencer events or anything like that. And it's so funny because you're like, oh, I just, it feels like we just finished it and now we have to literally tear it down. (laughs) And I luckily, thankfully don't do breakdowns anymore, pretty much like my assistants take care of it. But like when I did do them, it like breaks my heart because you just put so much love into it and then you're just like ripping it down but it's also like low-key very satisfying to rip it down <laughs> um most of the times I let the clients take the flowers home because I want them to obviously be enjoyed for longer and that's also kind of just like a nice token into like for like repeat clients just like oh like give them away to your guests and sometimes if we're able to negotiate with the client we do donate the florals There is like a company we work with that repurposes the flowers to, you know, like women's shelters and hospitals and schools. So that's always, and like, it's like a tax write-off for the company. And it's it's like good for everybody, but not everyone, you know, like people are, have their budgets and sometimes don't allocate towards that. But we do try to give the flowers a second life whenever we can. That's great. And I have actually um, kind of like a hot seat question for you. If you could only create arrangements with one type of flower for the rest of your life, which would it be and why? Um, My favorite flower will forever be a sweet pea. It's actually tattooed on my neck. So that's how you know it's real love. Um, (laughs) First of all, it smells amazing. It smells sweet, quite literally. They come in so many different colors and they're so delicate and they're very like frilly. They just add so much movement to the arrangements. They're not available all year round and they can be kind of expensive per stem for like how dainty they are. But yeah, anytime I see them at the market for any job, like I always buy them. I don't care if like I like spend a little too much. I'm like, I'm getting sweet peas. <laughs> That's your go-to. So, yeah, it's my it's my favorite. They're so pretty. <laughs> That's awesome. 
What's next for Dearest Rachel? Any goals or upcoming projects for the business that you're excited about that listeners can know firsthand? It's crazy because like I could look ahead like two weeks and be like, oh my God, I don't have anything. And then all of a sudden, like I'll get a flood of inquiries. Generally, the rest of December is kind of quiet after the holidays just because people have new budgets and new quarters coming in. So it's going to be probably a quiet January, which I will relish in and enjoy. And then coming in February, we I will be partnering with a company and we'll be opening up a flower shop in Soho City and more details to come on that but it is in the works so anyone living in New York City get your flowers for Valentine's Day (laughs) Um, that's so exciting that is yeah it's a super exciting partnership that I'm working with the company on just kind of like figuring out the logistics and the design of everything but I'm really really excited and it'll be fun because I can host like workshops there and I won't necessarily be working in the shop, but I'll have opportunities to like kind of pop in and do little like arrangement classes and stuff. So I'm really, really excited and looking forward to definitely something more permanent and something consistent versus like the madness that events are. But I'm just really excited for next year. I'm working with all my clients and, you know, like just seeing like how the industry like is growing and changing. Mm hmm. That store, is that going to be like a pop-up with you in the company or is it going to be there for, for a longer period of time? So right now it's going to be there for six months and then we'll, we'll revisit and see how it is. It isn't completely my shop. I like the idea of that because it'll allow me to kind of, like, I don't want to own a retail shop. I never want to do retail ever again. (laughs) Um, But this allows me to kind of like have a creative take on it and like, you know, add my, my flair to, to a space. Very exciting. Well, we'll have to stay tuned to your social to check out when the flower shop opens. Yeah. I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs? I mean, this could go for all things in life, but I would say just just be authentic and really stay true to like what you love and remember like why you're doing what you're doing. It really reads to clients and also like it's okay if you don't know what you're doing all the time. I think as long as you believe in yourself and you trust yourself and build a really strong circle of people that you trust and can rely on and ask for help. That's why I think it's really important to like pay your dues and work under people because you really learn how to handle your business based on what people do or do right and do wrong. Take your time and enjoy the process and don't don't rush ahead just because you you want more. Like it'll all come in time. You just have to trust the process. I love that advice. It's a great reminder for us all to be like more patient with ourselves, especially when it comes to work. It's easy to always, I know I struggle with like always thinking about what's next or like I want to accomplish this, but like Mm -hmm. just being in the moment and putting in the work and trusting Mm -hmm. that it's all going to come. Yeah. And it will. And it has for me. So Mm -hmm. it can't for you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. This has been so fun. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Dearest Rachel online and on social media? Oh my God, of course. You can follow me on Instagram. My personal is Dearest period Rachel and my business is very similar. It's at Dearest Rachel NYC. Thank you so much to Rachel for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats. Oh, 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 oh,
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+ plus. terms and conditions apply. See website for details.